Welcome everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I am here with Lou Weiss, who's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are on the first business day of our Vermont. This is the second business day, slight exception. To talk with Tim Fiore, who's the committee chair from the Institute for Supply Management, about what is happening in manufacturing as indicated by the Purchasing Managers Index or the PMI. Tim, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good to see you guys. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year for 2023. Yeah, yes. here we are. So, Tim, the number we have been expecting would soften a bit. Uh, we've been talking about it for a couple of months. It's here now. What's it look like? Right. So we kind of met expectations. The economic community had predicted we'd be 48.5. We came in 48.4. You know, as I've been mentioning to your listeners and watchers, uh, we're probably in a period of 48 to 52. And we entered that period back in September, October. And we've had a slow decline in expansion. If you guys remember, we would lose a point and a half for a month and then we'd stay there. We'd plateau for a month and then come down another point and a half. So it's been a very gradual slowdown here. And you know, we ended the month of, we ended the year 2022 with our lowest PMI number since the pandemic began. Okay, fine. So, you know, let's dig into it. And, and you know, we had a good conversation, uh, Anthony and uh, Tim and Lou, around ISM panel's forecast for 2023, all put into its own context. So, okay, the panel predicts for 2023 that the first half is going to be slower than the second half, and it's going to be a little bit weaker than the second half of 2022. So here we go. We're, we're in it now. I still think we're sitting at a 48 to 52 for maybe another month or two. December was a very odd month in that a lot of people took time off, went home. I think businesses basically said by the time they hit early December, the year was done. Let's focus on 2023. There's so much uncertainty in 2023 with interest rates and international wars and China doing weird stuff that, you know, that forecast was very valuable. So the business community essentially said, we're going to go and grow in 23. In the first half, it's going to be tougher. In the second half, obviously, they got to make up the difference. And we're going to end the year not that far different from 2022. Okay. So PMI came in. You know, I like to look at this thing from a demand consumption and a supply standpoint, input standpoint. So demand remains the story again for the set, clearly the second straight month. We had an easing new order number uh, at just north of 45. New export orders sagged even more, which, you know, as we've talked before, we don't really expect any help from the export markets for quite some time. Customer inventories ended up at about right again. So, which means it's not accommodative, but it's not restrictive. All right, fine. It's, a, it's in kind of a, a caution zone. I'd much rather see it be too low, but it's not. It's about right. So, all right, where's that going? And we continue to burn off backlog. You know, backlog was better from a contraction standpoint in, in December than November, but at a 41 and some change, that still indicates that backlogs are shrinking. So where are the new orders? Before we get to that, so then you look at what's happening on the input side, deliveries have gotten better again, 87, 88% or something, reporting same or faster deliveries. That's really good, not an issue. Manufacturing inventory is relatively low uh, at the end of December, which is good for liquidity and also a good indication that we've been able to burn down this overall extended supply chain inventory for the last six or seven months effectively, and that our panelist companies were not forced to take material that they didn't want. So that's all good. Lead times are still 35% above historical trough levels. 
which is surprising, expecting them to come down again in December. They didn't come down in December like they did in November, disappointing. Prices came in at 88%, same or less than November, which is the same number in November. And in October, I think the number was 67%. So prices continue to come down. Lead times are not budging as fast as they should. Order books are diminishing. So we're waiting for the demand to show back up. And this is an extended period, really, of burning off over ordering. I think we're now kind of beyond that take it or pay for it situation where you can't cancel orders and you can't push them out. So we've got prices coming down. We need buyers to come back in and sit at the table and reload the order books because that's clearly what's missing. And the reluctance there, I think, is just the uncertainty around where is the macroeconomic environment going to go here with rising interest rates. And I think, you know, the Fed, you know, coming at half a point in December uh, was a good move. You know, we'll see what they do uh, in Q1 here. Uh, but, you know, at this point, we've got still a whole bunch of uncertainty. So let's talk about the output side. Go ahead, Louis. Can I interrupt us for yeah. one second? I think it's important to note for our listeners that the index at 50 uh, stands where there is contraction, uh, where there is expansion. But the real contraction is at around 48 point. Uh, the real expansion is at 48.7. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that's about the number. Yeah, it's an right. adjusted number historical with GDP and things. Yeah, but right. It gets complicated. It does, but so, we want to clear easy. that up. Fifty's <laughs> easy. So sorry for interrupting your uh, your uh, continuing. So yeah. All right. So let's talk guess. about the the output side. So really surprising that production actually sagged and employment actually expanded. But you know, within a couple of points, like I said, that's you know maybe ten panelists saying that they were a little bit better or a little bit worse. So okay, all right. So it wasn't a factor. But I would have expected production to stay above 50, and I would have expected employment to drop, stay at 48 or so, which it didn't. So let's let's talk about the employment issue, which is still the big issue. If you're concerned about interest rates and what the Fed might do, as we talked about before, they're still looking for layoffs. They're looking for you know lo lowering the steam on the hiring market, and we're still sitting at a two to one hire to force manage ratio, hire to fire, I call it. That means for every three companies who are responding in our employment comments, two of them are still hiring. Two are still hiring. It's the same ratio as November, as October, as September, when we went from eight to one to two to one. So in November, we did shift a little bit. We had layoffs coming into the picture, which were pretty significant. Uh, I think 14% of the comments were around layoffs. In the month of December, that number dropped to 11. Okay, but I think that's a holiday factor. So I'm expecting to get back to that 14, maybe 20% of the force managed comments being layoff in January, February. We, you know, as, as the lead times aren't shrinking, order books are shrinking. So at some point, two to three months out, work is going to run out and nobody's going to hold on to people if it's going to run out in two to three months. That's, and beyond that, it's still a bunch of uncertainty because we've, we've depleted the order books. That's kind of where we're at still. We're, we still have companies hiring. They're finding it easier to hire. There seems to be a reduction in December on the quits rate. I think that would indicate that people would rather stay in their jobs because with all this uncertainty about layoffs, if you're the last to hire, you're the first to fire. And you know, if, if you want some kind of job security, you're not going to jump your, your employer for four years to jump into one for 
a month or two and find yourself on a layoff list. So that was a positive, I think, in the December time frame, frame too. But I think we, we, you know, we ended 2022 pretty positively. We, you know, we're contracting for two months out of 12, but we're not contracting strong. So let's talk a little bit about that because this, this becomes a really interesting point. So, you know, I've been tracking uh, the industry sectors that are actually contracting under 50. I'm going to use the 50 number, Lou. Uh, but I've also started to track the quantity of the percent of manufacturing GDP under 45, because that to me is a much bigger warning sign. So in the month of December, we had 80% of manufacturing GDP contracting. That's a, you know, that's a big number, but that could be a 49.5, 49.9. But the percent that's under 45 is 31%. Uh, and now keep in mind, chemicals is 15% almost of manufacturing GDP. They're below 45, so that's half of that 31 number. In the month of November, 67% of manufacturing GDP was contracting. And of that, 13% were contracting under 45. And then if you go back to October, and that's my last data point, 59% was contracting under 50, only 7% were contracting under 45. So we have a clear trend here, more and more of the industry sectors falling in that 45 or lower, which is alarming. But the flip side of that is chemicals was the first to go, and then pretty much the first to go below 45, especially the big six. So they'll be the first to come back out. So that's the things we really wanna watch now is we wanna watch for chemicals, we want to watch for overall manufacturing lead times, and we want to watch the layoff numbers. I think those are kind of key. And transportation expense, which is no longer a big issue. Ocean freight is collapsing. At this point of the year, with uh, the Lunar New Year coming into place in three weeks, you'd think there'd be lots of backlog at the ports. There are not. That would indicate that there's still plenty of inventory around, that people aren't pulling and rushing inventory in from China. We still have plenty of Chinese products on the ground available to us. Because you know, once the Lunar New Year hits, it's about a four, four week gap of nothing. So, but I think we wanna watch transportation expense because that'll be another indicator. So the two biggies here for me, and we should talk about for the next three months is what's going on with transportation expense and access and what's going on in the chemical products there. Yes, clearly chemicals is a, a raw material input for a lot of manufacturing. And for our listeners, manufacturing always leads the way out of a recession and always leads the way into a recession. So all the recession talk you've been hearing about, we are seeing a softening. The question is how long, how deep? And Tim, maybe you can respond to how long, how deep you expect it from your semi-annual forecast. Well, like we said, I mean, there's uh, our panelists are pretty much saying that 2023 is a growth year with a caveat that the first half will be more difficult. So, okay, if it's half the growth year that you would expect for the whole year, then you're really putting all that half of the first half growth year into the second half, which would be a banner year. But we're, you know, we're kind of thinking that we're gonna grow 5.4%, I think on revenue. Profitability is gonna stay you know, pretty good. There's not a big squeeze. A lot of our panelists reported that they're still able to pass price increases through onto the customers, which would be the first pushback. We have a lot of comments from the supply chain people that they're pushing back and they've been pushing back since October. That's probably primarily related to commodity markets. And I think that's a function of how much inventory was there. And as time goes on, that inventory burns out. So, you know, we've got the uh, yield curve inverted since May of last year. 
People have told me that's a nine to 12 month cycle before you see a recession. Uh, our history says six to nine months of PMI contraction, then, then you could have a recession. Only of the last three recessions, we've had six manufacturing expansions and contractions in the last 20 years and only three recessions. So it's not a perfect one for one. And then, you know, we're contracting, but at really weak levels, 48, four, you know, not, that's not, you get down to 43 level at a PMI number, 45 and less, then it's a little bit alarming. That's why I'm watching the industry sectors at 45 or less, because as that quantity builds, then, then I get a lot more concerned. So right now there's a caution out there. We got 31% of uh, the industries contracting. Half of that is, is really chemicals. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens in uh, the January timeframe. And December was a weird month. I mean, our seasonal adjustment factors really stepped the numbers up. And I think if you took the seasonals out, we would have been at a 46.5. Now, mm. you got to compare that to December of 2021, which you really can't because it was no seasonal. You were all kind of burning and churning. You'd have to actually go back to 2019 when we had the last slowdown. But, you know, it's really hard to compare year over year because this is a month over month measurement. So the what your respondents are saying, I found to be quite interesting in many of the points. So you want to go over some of those? Sure. I, I picked them out with help. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, so, you know, what I try to do is I try to make sure that the top six and sometimes top seven include a comment because that's 75% of manufacturing GDP. Then I look at the strongest performers in the top 10 for their own PMIs, and I pull some of those out. So, and, I'm, and I try to, to mix it in with the like chemicals. You know, the comment around chemicals shouldn't be about business is great, we're growing like crazy. The comment around chemicals is, you know, we got lead time issues, we're waiting for new work. Now, that, that's what I try to do with the, with the comments there. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge for sure, but you know, hopefully you guys get the gist of it. One of the important ones that I found as it affects all metals and forge group is about miscellaneous manufacturing, which takes into account a rather significant part of the manufacturing sector. And uh, overall, uh, everything seems to be stabilized and growing. I, yeah, miscellaneous manufacturing, I think, was expanding. They, were, yes. they had an over 50 PMI. So yes, that's why yeah. yes. it's a real hodgepodge of companies. Just yep. think about it. Miscellaneous. What is miscellaneous? I don't know. It's everything else. That's right. So there's a lot of stuff in there, but it's, it's, like, it's still growing. I like the number. Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tim, were there any particular comments from your respondents that struck you uh, as uh, powerful or interesting this month? Well, you know, I think a couple of them, uh, first one is that they continue to comment about the fact that they're burning down backlog to get on time. They're, they're, and it's not so much caution. You have to kind of read between the lines that they're, they're really saying that, hey, we're get, getting better at meeting our customers' needs. Okay, I'm not sure what that means in terms of total order book. You can stand to reason that if you're not getting new orders and you're working on backlog, your order book is shrinking. But I think you know, that, that's a consistent comment that we've had in December and uh, November, and to some extent, October. Uh, you know, the other thing is prices, that there's a, there's a big price battle going on, and that could be the core of what's happening here with the lack of new orders. Buyers are still resisting paying additional costs for commodities that they know are down. 
And you know the, the argument is there. The supplier's counter argument is, hey, look, I got a bunch of inventory that I paid an exorbitant amount of money for. So I can't lower your price until my inventory gets depleted. And then I've, I've reloaded my inventory with lower price commodities. So that argument is going on. And when that argument goes on, orders don't get placed. And that argument goes on until the orders have to get placed. Now, usually you have to place it when you're at lead time. But when suppliers are holding out extended lead times, buyers are sitting there saying, that's not a real lead time. I, I got more time here to negotiate with you. And that's the arguments that are going on right now. So they're saying, I know you want 12 weeks. Historically, you're six weeks. You can tell me 12 weeks all you want. I know your order book is shrinking because you're delivering better, which means that you have less work most likely. So let's get to something reasonable here. I'm not going to pay a 20% premium over 2020 prices uh, at these exorbitant lead times. I'm willing to pay seven or whatever the number is. And the arguments are ongoing. By now, in a normal environment where you know price escalation is 2% or less, you'd have all this stuff resolved. You know, On top of that, there's a lot of pressure on the buying community because they're not exactly sure what their own profitability is going to be. I was surprised at a 70% reported pass-through rate on uh, raw material inputs, that was high. Now, and, and maybe if we asked the question in November or December for that month, the number would be a lot less. But you know, if, if I'm sitting in a general manager position, I wouldn't be so confident that I can pass all these price increases through through 2023. I, I would not. I, and I think what you're seeing is, is there's a little bit of concern here in the first half, but that in the second half, things are going to work themselves out. In the, the true manufacturing, where the, the broad manufacturing sector that uh, all metals is uh, involved in, it seems as though that steel prices have come down significantly. Well, yeah, steel dropped. Spot market steel dropped. Uh, it got down to historical 650 a short ton from right. 1500 or some crazy number a year and mm -hmm. a half ago. Right. But it's been climbing again. I noticed the spot price this morning was 720 or something. So it got down to 630. And it's been creeping back. It was sitting at 700 for a week or two and it bumped back up to 720. Now, I think a lot of that is there's a lot of capacity that's been taken out. So, you know, that's going to drive prices up. But uh, if, if that's not the case, then you've got more demand going in there that is going to be a good thing because, I mean, I, I, I'd like to see steel prices go back up. That means that, you know, we got buyers back in the market because, you know, you order mill runs. You know, you don't, you don't buy you know, a, a half a ton of steel, you buy a truckload. And 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 that's always a good thing. Tim? Yes. Clearly, no doubt. Tim, uh, this actually doesn't sound uh, as negative as, you know, the number slips below 50 and the mainstream media reports the sky is falling. Uh, I'm not feeling that from our discussion with you. <laughs> No, I'm not. Unfortunately, you know, I've got the forecast to kind of lean back on. That's only four to five weeks old. So, you know, I think the positive things are we've been able to navigate through the energy issues that we thought were going to hit in December. I mean, they have not turned into an issue in December or as we enter January. The, the price of oil is still at a fairly stable level, you know, maybe slightly higher than people would like, but it's not 125 a barrel. The price of natural gas is dropping. They, you know, they may argue that that's because of temperature being higher in Europe and the U.S. And I mean, I think you know, you, you saw that there, we're now exporting a significant amount of LNG into Europe. That means longer term, uh, Europe will have a solution 
that new terminal that they opened up offshore off, off William Chauvin, I think it is the largest chemical complex in the world, is now operational. And you know, they didn't even put that in. They didn't even decide to put it in until eight months ago to, to move an LNG terminal, even though it's floating, to be able to operate and put gas into the European system inside of 10 months is incredible. That's really encouraging that when people put their mind to things, they can solve problems. Because the fact that Europe doesn't have natural gas anymore is a real problem. And for us to be able to import LNG or gutter or whatever, that's really positive. So I think you know, we got through the energy issue, which was a concern on the pricing side here in the US. It would have driven everything, transportation costs up again, you know, surcharges would have gone up, we would have had problems with plastics and the chemicals that we've had the issues with. So that, that's all good. This federal interest rates holding at a half point rise in December, I see that as positive. I mean, I think they're waiting for other signals here. And I think they're waiting for the labor market to cool. That may take some time. The JOLTS report came out this morning, and I guess it was surprisingly high. But there are some time delays in that number that if you really parse it out, you might see that things are really changing. I think it's still two to one, two jobs for every one person searching. But I'm not so sure that's really the case. There's an issue about canceling out stuff that you don't need anymore or just let it ride and interview people and never hire anybody. So, but I think, I think, and, and the fact that Europe hasn't exploded even worse than where it is. And the fact that China is now reopening, but I think that's going to be a real unknown for at least six months because they're going to have the same absenteeism that we had a year ago. If you remember with Omicron, we had three out of 10 people out of work, uh, out because they were sick. So, I mean, I think you're going to see that happen in China a little bit here, but the fact that they're reopening, I think it's more from an export market for the U.S. standpoint, not not for inbound, because I don't I don't think we have a China product inbound problem here in the U.S. at, the, at this point, surprisingly, after what, five months of the ports clearing up. Yes, no doubt. Well, Tim, we appreciate you joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio every month to talk about this Purchasing Managers Index report and the sub-indexes. I want to remind people to go to ismworld.org to find the report itself. And if you're looking for forgings in carbon, alloy, stainless steel, tool steel, titanium, check out steelforge.com. All Metals and Forge Group is the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Tim, your report uh, makes my day. I, I don't feel as negative as I did when I first saw the number. Thanks for being with us. I'll, I'll second that. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good with steel prices uh, uh, maybe going to trickle its way up, which is not a bad thing for the sellers of steel. And uh, just to continue, have a happy new year. And it's always a pleasure having you on our show. Yeah. yeah Thank same. you. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks. See you next okay. month. Take care. Bye-bye. And happy new year to everyone who's listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We look forward to chatting with you often. <laughs> Find us at jacketmediaco.com. And as always, just search Manufacturing Talk Radio on Google and you'll find us. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.